This is Robert Murdlachi, the Mindshare Learning Port, Canada's Learning Technology e-magazine, and the Mindshare Workspace here in the Air Mills Town Center. I'm honored to have a very special guest today joining us, none other than Tom Barlow, singer-songwriter who's been nominated for four Junior, uh, Juno Awards, and uh, he's playing the CNE uh, this coming Tuesday. We'll be doing a gig with us here kindly next Wednesday night, and he's playing the shore this evening down in Port Credit, if you happen to be available. Tom, thank you for joining me, fellow York University alumni. Great to see you, Rob. How you doing? I'm well. I'm The last time we talked, you had me on your show during COVID. My, how things have changed since then, and God, what a great uh, show you had going, and talk to us a little bit about the inspiration behind that, and uh, what's in store for you uh, this fall? Well, the inspiration for the show was uh, I was living with a musician. Uh, a friend of mine, Rickford, had moved in. And, you know, we weren't working. We weren't doing anything. And we were going kind of stir crazy. And nobody was really connecting the artists to the clubs or the artists to each other. So we said, let's, let's do a little TV show. And... Let's talk to musicians. They don't have anywhere to play. Let's give them a platform to play so they can still be heard. And let's get club owners in to talk about how they're surviving when they think they'll get uh, live music back. And then, you know, as, as the pandemic uh, got longer and longer and there was more misinformation out there, we thought, let's also get healthcare professionals, Amazing. let's get microbiologists Let's get people who know what they're actually talking about on. So that, that was it. We had some science, uh, we had some music, and we had some community business people, uh, and we just tried to, you know, support each other. You know, people tell me I'm a connector, and that's one of my gifts that I've nurtured over time. But you are, uh, and I've enjoyed, I mean, we've been connected for 30-plus years since the time when you honed your craft through the pubs of York University. Uh, yeah, it's 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 yeah. We're up. Uh, we're pushing forty years thereabouts, yeah. and and look at us. We're still connected. It's about relationships, and it's about making an impact. And when I come out to your shows, or when you know you do the gigs at York, we had the fiftieth anniversary. I was just wearing that T-shirt the other day at Stong, and you kindly played uh, that uh, special event. And the joy that you bring to people. And making those human connections, it, it, it's it, that's the secret sauce. It's unparalleled, and that was a missing link during the pandemic. And so, uh, what's it like now getting back in the saddle and and playing the shore tonight? You've done a few gigs, live gigs this summer, no doubt. Well, it was a bit weird, you know. I've yeah. never, I've never really not played music since the age of seventeen. I've been playing music as a profession, and often every day. So to not perform for almost two years, it was weird because you put that guitar on. You're like, am I going to remember how to do this? Am I right, going to right. songs? Um, yeah. My finger's going to know what to do. So that was exciting. And it was nice to be nervous and excited again. And yeah. the other thing I think it really brought to me and to a lot of other musicians was the gratitude of performing. Because when you've done it for 40 years, Sometimes you step on that stage and you're thinking about your taxes or what time you're going to get home or 
And so it was really nice to be present and to understand the gift that is uh, being a professional musician and performing for people. Amazing. Now, for the record, you did a phys ed faculty of education degree at York University. You are a certified teacher. Yes. Yet you pursued another passion. And, and that says a lot about career trajectories and the path not always being du- direct, as was the case for me in my career as a, in economics and sport administration. Now I'm in ed tech and running a co-working space. Talk to me about that kind of pivot that you made back in the day. And, and your parents must have kind of wondered, no doubt, about what the heck you were up to. But you've made a career of it. Well, I think of university degrees as a tool. You know, yeah. and, and I think tools obviously are very important. It doesn't mean you have to use that tool. Um, it's just nice to have it's like a power drill sitting in the basement. Yeah. I need a power drill one day. I don't have to. Well, I own a power drill, so I got to be power drilling every day. It, it doesn't work like that. So I had this tool available to me. You know, I worked hard for it. It cost me some money. I'm grateful to have that tool. I may one day need it. I haven't so far, which has been great. Uh, but, but I don't think the fact that you have a tool, that tool should dictate your life or your career or your passion. It can't. And right. I think you'll, you'll be disappointed. Well, I can relate to that because we are doing a home renovation right now. And uh, my boys and I and some friends tore out 800 square feet of tile, well, screening and cement. And, and we did it in seven hours. It was, And everyone I talked to said, don't do it. Don't do it yourself. It's going to be a disaster. You know what? I try to discover the joy in everything I do. And I enjoyed that. You know, you know, using some brute strength and, you know, perhaps being Italian and having that construction DNA embedded helped a little bit. But it, it really, is, you know, I admire the fact that you control your life and you do what you want to do. And I think that's the secret in life that people don't realize that is the gift when you figure it out. Like I've been doing the last 20 plus years since I launched Kevin O'Leary's startup and he inspired me to go on my own. And uh, and my wife kind of wonders what I do every day, but it, you know, it's working to make a living. It's working, but it's honing your craft, honing your skills the notion of everyone's read Malcolm Gladwell's uh, famous book, uh, whatever it was called now, I'm escaping, I've read a few of them, um, that talks about the 10,000-hour rule. You honed your, many of those hours were honed in the pubs at York. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I'm skeptical of the 10,000 hours. I, it's funny you bring it up because I just read yeah. it yesterday. It's not 10,000 hours? The reason they picked 10,000 hours is it, yeah. was, it was, I think it was a Chinese, it could have been a Japanese, I don't remember study. And the character for for work and success uh, looked like 10. Okay. 10,000 hours, because the character looked like that. Um, but obviously you need a lot of hours, but I don't think we should get, we should get hung up on it. I, I know singer-songwriters, take Buddy Holly, for example. Yeah. Buddy Holly, of the first 10 songs he wrote, five of them were massive hits that people know to this day. The first five? The the first five. Wow. When he was on Ed Sullivan, and Ed Sullivan says, well, buddy, 
you know, how many songs have you written now? He goes, well, I've written, I've written six. And those were Peggy Sue and Oh Boy and, you know, some of the biggest rock and roll hits ever. So Some of the ones that you play. Some, I, but I, I used to play a lot of rock really back in the day. I, I think for, for young people, uh, there's something about experience which is uh, irreplaceable. But, you know, I know a guy who pulled out a tile floor with no experience and was happy to do the job and happy to, to try it and open I lost you for a second, Robert. Am I yeah, back? You're back. You're okay. back. Um, but yeah, you know, you talk about the show, the show that we did. Yeah. I was going to bed and I said to Rickford, do you want to do a TV show tomorrow? He goes, what? I said, let's just do a TV show. We didn't have lighting. We didn't know what we were doing. Right. We didn't have 10,000 hours. We had zero yeah. hours. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like if you fail at it, you're going to lose an eyeball. If you fail at it, you're going to go. Right. We failed at that. Do you want to keep trying this and making it better? And then, you know, we got help and we got professionals involved and it evolved into something. So I'm not saying that the 10,000 hours, the hard work, the dedication, the experience aren't of value. Of course, they're of value. But I don't think that we can let those paralyze us into saying, I can't be a songwriter because I haven't been working on it or I can't go out and perform because right. I rehearsed for 10,000 hours, you know? There is something yeah. said for jumping in and trying stuff. If the downside is not dangerous, right? Then just you know, I'm not saying brain surgery, but stand up in front of a crowd and sing some songs, and maybe you're terrible. Yeah, That's a great advice. Um, talk to me about your album. So you've you've got a, a new album coming out. Yeah. So uh, I I remember I was going to say one of the highlights for me was. I think you opened for Carlos Santana once. I was at the concert and you gave away this sample album. I hadn't seen you in a long time. My kids listen to your music. They love your music and they're millennials. So you appeal to a broad spectrum of baby boomers like me and, and millennials. Yeah, I mean, for the creative process for me is something I can't not do. I, I just feel very unfulfilled. Um, my life my life does not have the same level of joy unless I'm creating. No, that cool. could be a song, that could be a music video, that could be a TV show. I could um, relate to that. Because that's a lot of what we do in our work as well. Yeah. Creating in different ways. Um, obviously. like I, I don't want to be the guy who diminishes hard work. Without hard work, there's nothing. Um, yeah. But when it comes to the new album, obviously I had two years in COVID with which to write songs. And that sort of reflects in the songs and that the tone is sometimes darker and sometimes joyful. Mm -hmm. and the song The Wizard, which is the first single that we just released, was right. going to be released two years ago. And we were just wow. trying to get it out there. And then COVID hit and we couldn't tour and we couldn't play and we had to stop it. So it was difficult to have that song sitting around for two years and only finally release it. Um, but that song is about um, the opioid crisis. And right. uh, I'm very proud of that song and the message that it sends. 
And I think it's, you know, one of the gifts of being an artist is you get to highlight things that you think are important in the world. I've talked about that crisis and I wonder during the federal election why it wasn't made more of an issue when it's happening on a national scale. And I have a friend whose daughter passed away from, sadly, from an overdose. I've been to Vancouver and I've walked, uh, you know, along uh, East Hastings and on my way to a conference three days in a row. I was, I was saddened to see the extent of, you know, because we don't see that in the same way in suburban Mississauga. You yeah, see some you know, of that, right? I mean, it's, it's more in your face in, right. in terms of Vancouver. But if you take five minutes and talk to just about anyone, everyone has been touched by this. 100%. And, and the only reason I can think of, if this many people were dying in cars or in plane crashes every year, yeah, it would be the number one story and there would be outrage and there would be change. But right. we have stigma. The bottom line is it's stigma. And there is a sense that... Yeah. Uh, Losing you a little bit. I lost you again, but am yeah. I back? Yeah, you're back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, it, it can be nothing other than stigma because the, the catastrophic uh, loss of lives, um, there's, no, there's no other way that we can explain this other than there's a stigma to it. People aren't comfortable talking about it. And people running for office don't want to make it a major plank in their platforms. Right. I don't think it sells. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate that, because that's, that's the tragedy of it. Because this is a preventable, manageable crisis. You know, hundred percent. When we released our music video uh, at the release party, we did an hour of naloxone training, where we had a pharmacist come in and say, "This is what a naloxone kit looks like. This is amazing." How Everyone got to go home with a naloxone kit. Everyone should have one. You know, everyone should should know how to do it it's the same way an EpiPen. Right. Far more people are dying of opioid overdoses than are dying of allergic reactions. But and or, and what, what about the number of people that died from COVID versus opioid overdose? One of my, I think, responsibilities as an artist is to reflect the society I live in. And the society I live in is, is not comfortable discussing this issue. And that's why I wrote a song about it. Good for about, you. About Richard Sackler and the Purdue family and how this was a manufactured, profitable epidemic. And um, yeah, I encourage people to check out the yeah. video. It's called The Wizard. And if, yeah. you Google, if you Google my name, Barlow and The Wizard, it should, it should come up. Talk to me about your music and what, do you have a favorite song? That you've written, uh, Clarice comes to mind. My kids like Clarice. I think that was one, and I'm trying to think of the other one. Uh, do you have a favorite? Oh, 
you were gone. Now we're back. Yes, I was asking if you had a favorite song uh, that you've written. Oh, it's always the latest one. You know, one of the things about being an artist is you think your brand new song is the best thing you've ever done and you need some distance from it to go, that's a piece of crap. Or you know what? That is pretty good. So right now, the song I'm working on right now is the best song I've ever written. It's my favorite one. But we'll see a month from now where that where that sits. How tough is it to match, you know, and top the song the you know, the, the best song that you've made, like how, what's that like when you, you've had great success. I'm sharing uh, your Barlow yeah. community website right now. Well, success is a, um, you know, success is a There's very, a it's a thing that the word changes meaning as you age and as you evolve as a person. So success might've been getting on TV or success might've been, you know, massive concerts. It's becoming right. more centered to me. Um, is this great art? Am I proud of this art? Am I going to be proud of this song 10 years from now? And it's weird looking back at your catalog. It, it's a bit yeah. like looking at your high school yearbook. Yeah. Say, Why did I think that mullet was cool? Or <laughs> how could I possibly have worn those clothes? Um, but yeah. you thought it was cool. So sometimes you look back at songs with a bit of embarrassment. The key, I, I think, for creating yeah. is the goal must be to create great art. Everything right. has to be secondary. It, you know, uh, making art should not be a career plan. Making art should be a passion that's driven by wanting to connect with people and connect with your own self and your own artistry. Well said. You know, I was just at an event uh, recently in Baltimore, and I met the superintendent of uh, from Minnesota, 52 years as a superintendent. I'm looking across the room. I'm thinking, the table. Okay. I think I'm back. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm the superintendent's 52-year career as a superintendent. This guy was like 80 years old plus. And I said to him, and I'm going to do a podcast with him, I said, the guy's a legend. I said, Larry, what was your secret to success? And he said, every day I came in the office, I wondered what I could do better. Right. How yeah. simple is that? It's, it, I get questions all the time. I try to mentor young artists. Yeah. And I always feel a little bit sad when their obsession is followers on TikTok, followers on Instagram, no. streams, likes. Yes, that's important because you're trying to build a career. And yes, you don't want to have to keep working at Starbucks because you want to be right. a musician. I understand that. But when the focus shifts to that, oftentimes the art suffers. And 100%. my advice to, to people is worry less about going viral and worry more about being great. Make the thing great. Yeah. Success will follow that. Otherwise, it seems like you're chasing. How long does it take you to create one song? What's like? What's the range in days or hours or you know, weeks? There, there are songs that come out almost fully formed in 15 minutes. Wow. I don't know where that comes from, but it happens. And there are songs that you're tweaking literally for a year. So uh, there's no way, you know, if there was a way, if there was a formula, 
I yeah. would follow the formula and every song I had would be a hit and life would be easy. But there's just no way. And, and that's the crazy thing about art is the amount of work you put into a song does not reflect how good the song is. Right. A magical, spiritual thing that's beyond yeah. our control. you got to create the right environment. I find that with my book writing. I'm writing a book, The Art of Networking in the Digital Age. And I can whip off words, but it has to be the right time of day and in the right environment. You know, sitting in my backyard, having a cocktail, you know, at the end of the day, it's a little easier than when you're in the middle of, you know, day-to-day tasks, right? You can't, that creative side isn't, you know, oozing at that time. Uh, sorry, you, you cut out there, Rob. I didn't get the first yeah. half of your question. Uh, no, I was commenting on uh, how uh, I'm writing a book and uh, my creative side comes more at the end of the day and creating the right environment right. Uh, to be creative. And this is the thing. You have to be sensitive to when you work best. And for some people, that might right. be first thing in the morning with a rigid schedule of I'm going to work on my art, whether that's writing a book or a song or painting, whatever. I'm going to do this for three hours every morning or I'm going to do it at night. Whatever works for you, you just have to be sensitive to it and also understand that some days it's not there and it's not going to come and it's going to feel forced and it's going to be forced. And some days it's going to be something that takes you over and that you work on it for 12 hours straight and you don't even come up for air. That is the magic part of the creative process. Amazing. Now, talk to me about your upcoming events. You've got tonight at the shore, uh, next Tuesday at the CNE. That's yep. awesome. So I love playing the CNE because probably like you, we've been going there since we were little kids. Yeah. I used, I used to see bands on those big stages and think it was that they were from outer space, the magical. And now I get to be that guy. So that's, that's really exciting. Yeah, so tonight, which is Thursday, I'm at Shore. Tomorrow, I'm at Shore again. Um, and uh, next Tuesday, CNE. Next Wednesday, a couple of songs for yours truly. Oh, my goodness. That's that's so fantastic. I can't wait to uh, to host you here. And, uh, Tom, uh, final thoughts to share for our uh, startups and community members in the Mississauga area who are involved in education and uh, work and learning? You will be back in one moment. Technology is great when it works. Uh, we, we, we've been having a bit lag, uh, Ivana. We're lagging a bit. Okay. I think I got that. Final thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, like, I'm not... I'm an entrepreneur in the fact that I've always had to hustle my own business. And my advice to entrepreneurs, which I sort of touched on earlier, is, you know, what is the thing you're doing? Is it the thing itself? Is it important to you? And to spend your energy on that thing that is important, understanding you have to sell it, understanding you have to market it, understanding all of those other things, but never let the cart get before the horse. Yeah, and, and, well, to, and to keep your energy on the thing, and not on the selling of the thing, and and if the thing is great, it will be much easier to sell. Uh, brilliantly said. Uh, my former boss Kevin O'Leary had an Instagram post recently that said, 
after 36 months, if you don't have revenue, it's a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing because it could be a hobby. It can be a hobby, but there's many great examples um, of artists who had their first success in their 40s or in their 50s. Yeah. So it's, I, I think that life is too binary for people. This is a job or this is a yeah. hobby. And you know what? It doesn't have to, you don't have to pick a team. It can be your hobby that you're passionate about that you do with the mind that one day it will be my job. Maybe not today. Maybe not in 10 years, maybe not in 20 years, but you don't have to put everything on one side or the other. So eloquently said, Tom, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thanks a lot for having me on. Perhaps we'll see you later this evening at the shore. That was Tom Barlow of uh, the Tom Barlow community, singer, songwriter, four times nominated Juno Awards, playing the CNE next Tuesday and the Mindshare Workspace the next the following wednesday until next time stay healthy stay safe and keep the learning curve steep